0: Hello and welcome to the Legacy of Generosity podcast, developed by the Leave a Legacy Committee of the Minnesota Gift Planning Association. We are a group of fundraising professionals here to grow and learn with you, our listeners. Twice a month, our co-hosts are joined by a special guest to talk about all things related to being a stronger fundraiser and nonprofit leader. A huge thank you to our sponsors, the Minnesota Initiative Foundations, for making this show possible. Now, without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Here are your hosts.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Legacy of Generosity podcast. I am Allie Schneider, Planned Giving Manager at Animal Humane Society, and today my guest is Kelsey Tyler. She is a development officer specifically in gift planning for Second Harvest Heartland, which is a hunger relief organization that serves 59 counties in Minnesota and Wisconsin, one of the largest in the nation. Today we are just talking about fundraising and gift planning and development in general. So I will have Kelsey start off with kind of describing her journey through the nonprofit industry.
0: Yes, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Excited to chat a little bit about the industry and my story. Uh, So yes, as you said, I've been at Second Harvest Heartland uh, for two and a half years. Um, The first two years of that has been as a major gift officer. Um, As of this summer of 2023, uh, started off-ramping major giving and on-ramping to planned giving full-time and have, as of the new year, started as planned giving full-time. Prior to being at Second Harvest, I came from the higher ed fundraising space Uh, so I was at, um, I started my career at North Central College, which is a liberal arts institution down in Naperville, Illinois, which is my hometown, uh, started there after graduating from Drake University over in Iowa, uh, and worked there for a while, uh, which I think was a really nice opportunity to start my career, uh, at a higher ed shop, just because it's, uh, got a lot of the institutional trappings of philanthropy. And so I was able to learn a lot about systems and how the industry works. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, made a move to Minnesota in 2019 uh, and started working at Scholarship America, which is um, one of the largest, uh, it's a nationwide organization uh, that helps provide scholarships to college students. Uh, and they're based out of Bloomington, and so I was there for about two years um, and then made the switch to Second Harvest. What did you do at Scholarship America? I was also a major gifts officer there, uh, although I would say that major gifts officer was a little bit loose. I was the organization's first major gift officer, and so it was a little bit of uh, building the shop and sort of working to uh, cultivate relationships and deepen relationships with Some of the annual and mid major and work on bumping them up, uh, bumping them up the pipeline a little bit. Um, But yeah, that was a really fun opportunity to kind of start from scratch and learn more about major giving as well. So you've seen
1: both, like you said, the higher ed where they have huge development offices and you started from scratch.
0: Yes. (laughs) It's been, (laughs) it's been a fun, uh, a fun range where I've never been at like, super small or like super scrappy organizations um but it's been a little bit of a a range of building for myself and um then coming to powerhouses like second harvest
1: yeah what made you want to go to second harvest or was it the hunger relief mission
0: it was a bit of both. Um, so when I moved to Minnesota, second harvest was immediately put on my radar as like, this is an organization you should know, uh, as I was, you know, sort of examining the philanthropic landscape and getting to know other nonprofits, um, and things, uh, in terms of like foundations and grantors in the scene. So second harvest had been very immediately on my radar. Um, but was also just wanting to make a change um, in 2020, as I think a lot of people did. um, But working in higher ed during the pandemic, it really um, brought a sharp light on the fact that higher ed is a really important part of advancing people out of poverty, Mm -hmm. but it's also really late in the game. And like, if you are a student and you can't eat, you're not going to graduate. And so I wanted to shift to something a little bit more direct service um, through 2020 and 21. So through that job search, I saw Second Harvest uh, come up on my radar again. And I was like, that's my job. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that job. Interesting. I really like how you
1: look at positions through the lens of wanting to help end poverty or what you can do to help people.
0: Yeah. And that's like, one of the main reasons why I'm in fundraising and just seeing what can we do to make systemic change. And so mm-hmm. I try to keep that lens when I'm looking at a, at a company. Absolutely.
1: So kind of, as you had talked about, you are the first person at Second Harvest Heartland to focus slowly on planned giving in that part mm-hmm. of development.
0: To the best of my knowledge, and so <laughs> I, I know this podcast has a very niche audience, and so if anyone is like, I worked at Second Harvest in 2002, and I <laughs> I did it, I got us started, like hit me up, um, but uh, both I had in my major gift work had like a sprinkling of um, plant giving work uh, scattered across my day job as a major gift officer um one of my predecessors who will also be uh likely well known to listeners of this podcast was lynn lemke Mm -hmm. she was also a major gift officer with planned giving sprinkled throughout and so to the best of my knowledge i don't think anybody else has done full-time planned gifts with second harvest which i'm very excited about
1: I was going to say, was this something that you brought up something that the organization wanted to focus on kind of a mixture?
0: Uh, kind of a mix. Um, so I had just casually in my interview, this is like over two and a half years ago now mentioned that I really liked planned giving. Um, planned giving has always been a little component of my work, uh, throughout my career. um, and so I just mentioned it in my interview. And then when in between my interview process and my start date, Lynn had left second harvest. And so, um, and she had been managing it previously. And so when, um, I showed up, they're like, do you want to do planned giving? <laughs> and so I was able <laughs> to really, um, just like pick up the reins from previous staff and like run with the trajectory that, uh, had been set up. Okay. And uh, there was just like a such, there was such a strong growth over the past couple of years in both like committed table of hope is our legacy society, um, so a growth in committed table of hope memberships and prospects, um, prospective planned giving donors, that it's like I'm just. I brought some of the numbers to my boss and it's like, we're going to go ahead and just continue to invest in those relationships and that, uh, future revenue stream. So, uh, it was a, a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good point. And by the way, I love the name table of hope. Like that's so perfect for your organization.
0: <laughs> I like it a lot. I don't know who gets credit for that, but I, I like it a lot.
1: Um, so as you've started, looked into the plan giving realm, what are the first steps you took to hopefully create a successful plan giving program Mm -hmm. or expand what you already have?
0: Yeah. Um, So trying to look at it from two lenses of stewarding the donors that are already with us in that way and then doing prospecting work um, and those two populations need different things. Uh, most of our Table of Hope donors are also annual donors with us where, you know, they are getting other annual uh, annual fund asks. They're getting invitations. They're probably volunteering with us pretty regularly. And so I've left that like fairly soft right now on my to-do list is to send some Table of Hope thank yous. Um, just specifically calling out like of all the ways that you help to fight hunger. Thank you so much for this gift, because we know that this is a really special commitment that not everybody makes. Um, but beyond that, I'm leaving that group of donors kind of not alone, but I'm giving them some space because it's like they hear from us plenty. They know the organization mm-hmm. better than I do, probably <laughs> in a lot of cases. <laughs> um, and then with prospecting work, just trying to make sure that the tools a donor would need are available just because so much of it is on their timeline. Mm-hmm. It's like, just here are the resources and let's get some, um, resources developed. Cause historically what I have found is a lot of our plant giving materials, um, you know, change each time we change vendors. Um, mm-hmm. it's always done like a little bit, on a contract basis with the vendors and so like the brand is always like a little bit diluted or it's like or they have swayed from being like the fluffiest feel-good um like really soft pieces Mm -hmm. about the importance of you know planning a will and caring for the future or It's like the most technical (laughs) tax jargon you can possibly find. And so it's like, let's get something in the middle. That's us. And then just have it available for our donors and just have those resources. So those have been my first steps, at least as we jump into full-time attention on plant giving.
1: I like that. That's like setting a good foundation, especially if you're going to start promoting things like the Table of Hope or getting people to join.
0: If they ask for information, you got to have the tools to give them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I have found so, you know, I am well versed in like planned giving tools. And my sort of expectation as I went into some of these donor prospecting conversations, where they have said like through surveys or like other kind of hand raises that they would be interested in learning about planned giving, is I had started going into those conversations with donors really open-minded about, like, I want them, or like, I expected that they would tell me what they wanted, what they were interested in, and what Mm -hmm. they were thinking about. Because if they're ready to have a planned giving conversation, like, they maybe already have an attorney that they're talking to, or like, they've already done some Googling on, like, what they want to do with their IRA. And what has actually happened is I go to conversations with donors, and they sort of sit down and are like, well, what do you wanna talk about? It's like, I see that (laughs) I need to do a little bit more education than I was expecting um, in terms of what kind of tools we are happy to accept or what we would like maybe encourage if you're going to lean one way or the other. And so getting the materials together, it's like, oh, I need something to give to donors and it's not all an open-ended conversation.
1: That's very interesting. So to be ready for the people who, yeah, some people might have an attorney or financial advisor, but a lot of people just might want to be told, hey, this would be a good option for you and for our organization. Mm
0: -hmm. Always with the caveat that I am not an attorney. Always.
1: (laughs) This is not legal advice. Please seek out. Please do
0: not. (laughs)
1: Uh, So I know it hasn't been very long, but like you've said, you've dabbled in planned giving for a while now. Are there any challenges or successes that you've seen already?
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Successes, I would say uh, it's so immediately warmer than work that I've done as a major gift officer, Mm -hmm. like just from reaching out to some of these donors and uh, like prospects to say like, hey, you said at one point you were interested in this. Do you still want to talk about this? I'd love to hear more about your story. Just those first little introductory baby steps and donors are immediately like, yes, I want to come in for a tour. Let me tell you every detail about my philanthropic philosophy. Let me tell you every piece of information I can about my relationship with the organization we've already put you in our will, but we're thinking about doing this. Like people are so immediately forthcoming, which has just been really affirming for me that it's like, this is a donor population that hasn't gotten a lot of attention Mm -hmm. just because they're usually not major donors. And they are so ready for that attention. Like they love this organization. They love, our mission and so that's been a really affirming piece to get started that's Um, a great call out to
1: and especially because some most of these gifts will be much more than any major gift they ever give too so
0: yes we just got um another table of hope commitment from a woman who over the course of several years has given us like six hundred dollars um and she's just Uh, let us know that we're in her estate plan for over 50,000. And it's like, that's transformational for a person.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So I, I love it so much.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. And challenge wise. um, And I think you will likely understand this too being at AHS where just as I'm seeking professional resources as somebody who's trying to figure out how to do this full-time for the first time is the resources it seems that there's like a chasm between here you are just getting started like as an organization where it's like you don't have anything for planned giving here's you know what a CGA is and here's how you figure out you know the math of a trust kind of thing, um, and then it seems like there's a large leap in resources to materials that are then catered to like universities and hospitals, which are just like giant institutional mm-hmm. systems of planned giving. And I feel like in the middle, there's there's a gap um, where it's like I I think I understand how. Like, I understand the gift mechanics and, like, my leadership is bought in and I know how to make a case for planned giving. Mm -hmm. But, like, then how do I actually go do planned giving (laughs) without, (laughs) you know, the, um, you know, without having our own CGA program the way that some colleges do and things like that. So that's been a challenge is just finding other peers and resources where it's like, I'm not, like, a totally baby planned Mm -hmm. giving shop but I'm not a Goliath either
1: it's very true sometimes it feels like there's not a lot of medium or mid kind of size organizations and you've you've done a lot of the foundation and you have a good grasp on everything and yeah you're never going to be the attorneys or that work Mm -hmm. for higher ed but you want to be able to speak to some things. And what's the best way to promote plan giving? Am I just going to continue to try things and see what works?
0: And so far, that's been my approach. It's like, let's just get in there and make mistakes and learn. And right. we'll figure it out. But
1: like you said, these people are, what do we say? Like, when we have our luncheon in the fall, it's like our biggest fans. Like They we could love us lot. so much. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so you would say the biggest challenge is just not quite knowing where to go next because you're not ready to start doing charitable remainder trust for somebody together (laughs) but Mm -hmm. what's the next step yeah nice have you found any
0: good resources for that
1: i mean i'm sure minnesota gift planning association is a good
0: resource The conference was very helpful this past october um And I know that there are, like, other experts in our community, and I know that MGPA is just, like, phenomenal um, as far as professional associations go. Uh, So I know that there's plenty of expertise, and so I'm sure listeners will (laughs) be sending me emails or messages on LinkedIn, (laughs) like, I would love to help. Yeah, I, like... I mean, free will is such a good tool for learning. Their webinars are stellar. Um, I still have to, I know it's on my book reading list to buy Dana's book because I know that those resources (laughs) will be essential. So there's, I have a to-do list.
1: (laughs) Right. But it sounds like you're focusing on the like your two big things, your current Table of Hope members and then your prospects. And I mean, that's, I feel like that's the perfect next steps
0: to focus on those two. I think it's, I have found myself guilty of this where it's like, oh, well, I'm always looking for more information or I'm always looking for what's the absolute best way to do this. And it's like, you know what? I actually just need to talk to my donors. Right. And like, they'll tell me what I need and I can, I want to do some prep, of course, but it's like, I don't need to know every single piece of information about planned giving or about the donor, or about the organization. It's like I just need to pick up the phone and go have a coffee. So very I simple. try to not fall too much into the trap of creating a lot of homework for myself. But I I know I still have some to do.
1: It sounds very much like the major gift officer part of you. <laughs> <It's> yeah, <laughs> keeping in, but it's very true to just kind of see what they need and what, where are they at in their life? What are they looking for out of their planned gift? Are they just wanting to do something big? Do they need income back? That kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's very smart.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what are your next steps now that you've kind of started all this?
0: Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple of different tools that like we just launched a giving docs partnership which Mm uh if you're not familiar with them uh they're similar to free will um they provide very similar services so i'm curious how that is going to um generate interest or at least questions about planned giving from folks that uh we haven't specifically targeted with that before um i am currently working on I'm calling it a, like, when you're ready document. I need to come up with a nicer name for it. <laughs> um, but just saying, like, hey, we would love for you to make a gift through your will or your IRA or, you know, these beneficiary designations and so on to just equip both myself and major gift officers when they're in conversations with their portfolios. I'm just like, mm-hmm. hey, when you want to think about it, here is, like, our menu So I'm crafting that uh, material now. And then as I look to, you know, summer and fall, I would really love to do some work in terms of like targeting um, our current DAF donors and our current IRA, um, like QCD donors. Like, hey, you can also just give us the whole thing if you want. Absolutely. Um, Great point. So that's up on my to-do list. Um, And then working through, uh, we have wrapped up a survey process over the past couple of years um, with a group called Canopy Resources. Mm -hmm. Um, Highly recommend them. Um, That was one of the partnerships that Lynn had gotten started that I was able to just take the reins on, which was wildly successful for us. Um, But we have a lot of donors that have raised their hand and said I'd love to talk about planned giving and so I'm working through just like a lot of one-on-one conversations Um, because as I said this is a donor pool that especially at second harvest but I think in general just doesn't get a lot of attention because they're usually lower level donors Mm -hmm. and just based on capacity and the numbers it's like we sort of have to pay attention to people that are giving us you know a thousand plus or whatever a year um and so I really want to give these people some personal attention so it's a big list to try to get through um in a one-on-one basis but I think that that personalization is just going to pay off with some massive results um just by doing the hard work of like trudging through a list and seeing who's into it.
1: Absolutely. And I wanted to call out in case anybody else listening is starting a planned gift, um, plan giving department or program. I really liked your ideas of the, when you're ready kind of Mm. major or giveaway, because it's, that's all that we're doing is trying to be front of mind when the donor is ready to make that plan or that gift. It's never on our timeline for planned giving. It's always on theirs. So I really like that idea. Mm -hmm. And the um, beneficiary designation, do you have a DAF? Do you have an IRA? We know that about certain people. So why Mm -hmm. wouldn't we make it easy for them? Because it's really easy to do a beneficiary designation. Mm -hmm. So
0: I love that information sharing. Yeah. Well, especially I think with DAFs, or I think a lot of people, a lot of donors have set up DAFs just because their tax advisor told them to. Mm-hmm. And like, it's been advantageous for them, but they don't even necessarily really know what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so just having the reminder that it's like, this is an account like any other that you can, you can utilize this to expand your impact when you're ready. Absolutely.
1: Is there anything else you want to share about your experience of starting a land giving program or?
0: What I would say I've had some other fundraisers um, that I've had conversations with where they're like, how do you know this? Like, do you have a JD? Like, what do you just go to conferences all the time? It's like, I'm just really good at Googling. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I have a question of like, huh, can you designate this kind of fund at (laughs) somebody's death or does this have to go into probate? What does go into probate? Um and so it's like I'm just good at googling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can find a whole lot on Investopedia. Um or like I guarantee you have uh you know a past board member or a current board member that has um that's a practicing attorney or has mm-hmm. a state experience like someone can help answer those questions but it's like you can just google it and you'll probably get pretty close (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's so true and like you said before people might reach out to you after this um but there's always a good community of people wanting to share their information and help other nonprofits out
0: Mm -hmm. that said i am planning to go get my cap certification at some point soon because i do want to have a little bit more expertise than just Google.
1: <laughs> I just did that and I would highly recommend it.
0: Okay. We'll have to talk about that later because I'm very <laughs> curious about um, what that experience was like.
1: Absolutely. Well, so our last question that we always end on is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
0: Mm, I like that as a as a good ender. I think the best piece of advice that I come back to a lot is if you are not failing you're fucking up <laughs> it's like you need to be failing cuz if you're not failing it means like you're either not being aggressive or innovative enough mm-hmm. or it means you're not learning cuz you're just staying with the same things that you know always work mm-hmm. um and what worked for you you know on this past project, maybe isn't gonna work for you on this project. And so the idea, like, just em- embrace the failure and know that that's that means you're learning and that means you're growing. Um, and if you're not failing, you're doing something wrong. And so <laughs> as, as somebody who um, is a recovering perfectionist, it's like, I, I ground myself in that often where it's like, it's an opportunity to learn We're going to absorb, we're going to absorb that lesson and we're going to move on. We don't need to dwell on the failure. And in fact, we need the failure. Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you for that piece of advice. That was a great way to end this podcast. Uh, (laughs) And thank you for being a guest on this episode. I was really fun to talk to you about all your learning and what you're doing next. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And again, that's Kelsey Tyler from Second Harvest Heartland. I'm sure you can find her and more information about the Legacy of Generosity podcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, and all the places that you find podcasts. Thank you for joining us and
0: have a great day. Thank you for joining the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found this episode to be valuable, please share it with a colleague or a friend. We know the best way to grow our reach is through your referrals your opinion really does matter. You can also find us on Instagram at a Legacy of Generosity podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn under Leave a Legacy, Minnesota. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. And until next time.